0: Welcome to Grails, a podcast by Alton Insights. My name's John Tunger and on today's episode I am joined by Darren Herman. By day, he's an operating partner at Bain Capital, but by night, he angel invests and hosts a podcast called Midlife Crisis Cards. It's all about sports cards, and that's exactly what we are talking about today. We are diving deep into the details of what is going on in the sports card market, and Darren shares some fiery hot takes on where he thinks it's going. Let's get started. As someone who invests in companies, it didn't take Darren a long time to figure out that there is a huge opportunity in the sports card market. And all it really took was existing in it. If you're like me and you're someone who enjoys the hobby of collecting cards, it doesn't take a while to realize that there's a lot of inefficiencies in the infrastructure in the market as a whole. And that's exactly what Darren saw from joining a live card break on Instagram where someone opens cards in front of you. We you have to leave the app and then go and pay through Venmo. And that doesn't really work too well to getting your cards and sending it into a grading company only for them to send it back with either a wrong or bad grade or maybe even a broken slab. The sports card market has been operating in the same way for a very, very long time. And that's where Darren saw the opportunity, to invest in the infrastructure of a growing industry. And now as someone who takes pitches and invests in founders building things in this space, he's uniquely qualified to see it from a 10,000 foot view. So if you're really into sports cards, well, you're gonna enjoy this geek out of us talking about the market. And you know, let's just start it off with the bang right here. If you didn't
1: make money in sports cards in the last 18 months, then I don't know who you are and what you were doing (laughs) because it was always impossible not to make money in sports cards. And, and, and I do realize that, you know, many people collect cards, not to make money. They collect cards because of the love of the cardboard and the sports and stuff like that. And, you know, 80% of my collection is that way. Uh, But even if you did that, (laughs) you, you, it was very hard not to, to, to see the value of your, you know, collection go up. But, we saw 30, 40 percent increases on the card market overall over, you know, the last 12, you know, 18 months. Wow. And in some cases, higher than that, uh, overall, which means that there are cards that went less and there are cards that went a lot more, hundreds or thousands of a percent. You know, Luca, Zion, you know, some of the LeBrons, the O3s. And those have done extremely well. I looked at all the traffic. Uh, web traffic going to a lot of the top sites in line um, for sports cards. So, you know, the marketplaces, you know, not just the big ones like eBay, but like Starstock, you know, uh, a lot of the, the manufacturer's websites. So like Panini, you know, Tops, Upper Deck, Leaf, et cetera. Um, and then looked at a whole bunch of other, you know, sites as well. And basically saw traffic tailing off a bit and down from its highs which one could say is seasonal, um, but we're right now entering the bat and in in the basketball season and baseball is ramping up. And also I looked at one of the indices, which a lot of us look at, um, and is one of the, you know, popularly referenced indices, which is the PWCC index, which tracks, um, you know, the top 100 cards, 250 cards, 500 cards, a thousand cards. And, you know, what you see is kind of a separation of the indices, which for the first time happened. First time in a while, it's happened before. And what I mean by that is the top hundred cards continue to go up, may not be going up as much, but they're going to continue to go up and they have continued to go up. But when you separate and look at like 251 to 1000 or whatever it is, you know, those cards are not going up as much as the top 100 or they're actually, you know, potentially flat or declining. Uh, What that's starting to say is the dollars are concentrating within the top cards uh, and then everything else is kind of, to be honest, you know, healthily <laughs> going back to where it should, you know, I, I realized personally that things are getting a little bit out of hand and I have the unpopular opinion here and, and I know that I know, but I have the unpopular opinion. Like I saw the Darius Baisley cards, you know, the gold card selling it for like $4,000 and I was just scratching my head. And, you know, there's a bunch of other cards that were just going for unbelievable amounts on pure speculation. And that's a, party, that's a party of musical chairs where you don't want to be the last one standing when the music stops because right. you're going to have like no liquidity for your cards. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people who have speculated pretty wide that have spent a pretty penny in the space that probably won't get their dollar back on, you know, what they invested. So if you invested a dollar, you're probably not going to see your dollar back. You'll see, you know, fives, tens, 15 cents on the dollar. I think that overall, if you, you know step back, that's super healthy. And I probably have a couple of cards where I'm in that boat too. But I think we have to have a pullback and get back to like reality. And yeah. I'm not saying that the national, you know, when it hopefully this year or next year is not going to have record numbers again. It will. <laughs> like it would be shocking if it didn't. But a market's not going to grow 40% a year for many years in a row. Like it's like, you know, people have to be thinking like, you know, you have to have like the wrong, you know, it it just doesn't happen. And, and so I think we'll still see growth. Absolutely. But a healthy growth to the industry. It's unhealthy when you're growing 40, 50%. It tastes great and it feels great, but it's unhealthy. And, and so, you know, if we can get back to the, you know, three, five 10 growth that we've seen which probably is not great if you're an investor and you're looking to make quick dollars in the same time period like you know within six months looking to make 100 percent of your money um that's not going to happen but you know we will get back to healthy growth rates that if you're a long-term buyer of the sports card space like if you're in it for 10 years kind of like, you know, the US economy, if you believe today that the US economy will be worth more than it is in 10 years than it is today, you can buy that index because you're going to ride the index. And so, you know, you kind of got to believe that for the sports card space, which I absolutely believe. It's just going to feel, you know, the the short term of it is hurt, Um, not just a pullback, but it's hurt. But then you'll eventually, over a 10 year cycle, Kind Of even back out and you know get to a decent spot, I think it's going to be a nasty hangover over the next you know bunch of time.
0: So, you're thinking long term it'll probably be more like, uh, for lack of a better example, bonds that it's like yeah. slow growth over time versus you know tech growth stocks like it's been right now. If you were investing in the public markets, am yeah, right. I yeah? And I think it is, and you know, there are ways though to get
1: the tech growth stocks, um, and so you know, if you're coming in and saying, you know, I'm going to be an investor, I'm going to have an investor mindset. And, you know, I don't want to ride the, you know, the, the, the triple Q or the, you know, the, you know, the ETF, or, you know, you don't want to ride the indice of the market. You know, you want to pick, you know, the, the tech growth stocks. However, with that said, if you invest in high growth, you also have high risk and there's the risk reward ratio. And so, you know, you could say, okay, you know, I'm going to put, Uh, $100,000 into the 2021 rookie class. And, you know, that's high risk or high reward. Uh, You know, you could say, you know, I'm going to go RPA hunting for Luka Doncic and, you know, go buy cases of old wax and, you know, try and go, you know, go hunting for that. And you just need to bankroll yourself to go find that and hopefully go sell it. Or you can say, I'm just going to buy a collection of every hall of famer that, uh, isn't popular right now, but are in the hall of fame. Um, yeah. and you know, you'll probably do well doing some of those tactics over a period of time, but you know, they are high risk and it's not like just going to a, you know, an LCS and buying, you know, a couple packs of cards for 50 bucks, you know, you've got to have, you know, enough invested in the space to see enough to go do that kind of thing. Or frankly. You know, you go buy, you know, an 86 Fleer Jordan 10 or, you know, some exquisite Jordan or something like that, that, you know, in in your heart of heart that it's going to be worth more in the
0: future than it is today. So just, you know, ride it out kind of thing. This is where your other investment dibs kind of comes into play, right? Like I'm so curious with dibs because it kind of feels like this, right, that I can go and play the speculative game a bit more. Yeah. Um, in terms of go buy a percentage of a player right away and see if it hops in a week or two if they perform well compared to going and buying a card, getting it graded, yada, yada, yada. I'm curious to see how dibs plays a role into that just because it's quick liquidity compared to even some of these other platforms. Um, and they just have way more modern players on there, right? Like yeah. collectible and things like that. There's not a ton of modern players compared to dibs. So I'm curious if that kind of turns into a game with these fractional spaces to be able to play some of that day trading short-term mindset. Absolutely. And,
1: and, you know, I'm not a spokesperson for any of these companies, so I'm sure I'll get an email from the founders of all these companies saying, Darren, stop talking about our companies, but, but, uh, we've already
0: had every dibs investor on here. Don't worry about (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) Well, Evan, you know, the vision that Evan laid out for me, Evan's the CEO and founder of dibs. And, you know, when, when I met him, you know, first meeting, I was like, I'm in, um, which which was interesting because I'd seen lots of the fractional ownership companies, which I still I still think are super cool. Um, but Dibs plays into the fractional space, but different. Uh, you know, Dibs is sort of the tokenized fractional space where you know you could buy shares of a card, but get liquidity within the same second that you bought it, if you wanted to. Um, right. Whereas you're not locked in until someone makes an offer for a card or makes an offer for things like you know Dibs. Dibs is all about, you know, what I like about Dibs is it's similar to like the crypto markets or the fantasy sports markets um, or sports betting markets than it is to like fractional, traditional fractional ownership. Um, And, you know, one of the insights that I saw was like there's a new consumer coming into the sports card space, which is a bit of the crypto slash uh, fantasy better sort of sports better a person, because you could make money in sports cards. And I think if you're, you know, if, if, if you're someone who bets, you know, you'll probably take a bet in any market if you can make money. And so we started to attract these new folks into the space and, and dibs was, it is catering to that. And, you know, we've seen it with, you know, the performance so far, which has been phenomenal and kudos to the dibs team there. But what I like about it personally is I can get into cards I can't get into normally. And right. so the ability to like fractionally buy uh, or tokenized, you know, shares of cards um, that I, you know, my wife would kill me if she found I spent, you know, you know $180,000 on a card um, or something like that. I, I know some people out there can do it, but as a married person with like two kids going to college in the foreseeable future that, you know, isn't a billionaire, then... <laughs> <laughs> then uh you know spending $180,000 I mean, on a single talk card to my
0: wife too i mean you know, it's spending $1,800 on a card They're like come yeah on, come on hold yeah. on like,
1: i'm sure she could you know tell me uh, you know 500 things that we need to spend that money on before sports cards but but you know but i can on dibs and i could spend $30 buying into that card and you know should that card double in price my 30 turns into 60 and you know less fee or whatever but you know it's uh, you know it's a way to participate um, in that space. Now, I was on a podcast like months and months ago where I was like, I, I don't like the space because I can't touch it. And you know I'm a person who loves to touch my cards. Um, it's why I'm not big into top shot and stuff like that. But you know, I understand dibs, and dibs for me is like a bet, more of a bet and speculative opportunity, which I understand and, and uh, I get, and it's been fruitful so far.
0: The modern cards are so interesting right now because you have wax boxes just going for so, so much. And people are putting so much money into that space. $700 for 2020 Panini encased. And maybe you break, you get back 200 bucks if you get a Jalen Hurts or something. Right. And so it's just tough to see how so much money is going to that space. So many people are buying up all these cards. How will this 2020 market shake out with all these new buyers? What are you kind of seeing in these modern card era and, and some information around there? How, do, how is that going to be affected long term? I the box price
1: has to come down. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know. That J, that same Jalen Hurts probably would have been worth 30 if the box cost 150 bucks. And if you know, if it was 30 dollars, then you know, you could make your money back easier. But you know, if you don't have a grail card, you know, like that, you know, I put the grail into the thing here there you go uh, if you don't have like a grail card or some significant card in a box of national treasure or prism or select or you know whatever what do you do like you know you're underwater i watched a break the other night some guy bought four national treasure boxes
0: wow four basketball
1: basketball yeah. four oh. that's a pretty penny he had one card out of the four that was worth more than 300 or 400 dollars and,
0: and are those the ones that are, those are 2K each, right? Yeah. Or those 10K each. Yeah.
1: No, it was, it was just over two. And, and, wow. but you know, like basically spend $10,000, you know, you pull a $400 card that hurts. Now, if the, those same boxes like four years ago. Three years ago, were hundreds of dollars at max. And if you pull a card that's worth $100 out of a $400 box, you're okay. <laughs> um, and, and so I worry about that. And the other thing is the folks who get hurt the most are the hardcore collectors right now. Like the folks who have been in the space well more than the last year we're talking five, 10, 15, 30, 40, 50 years who are not buying any new packs right now. And, and the reason for that is because when you're used to buying packs for $1.75 or $6 or, you know, $8, maybe 15 at most. And now an NBA hoops, which is in the world of, you know, product hierarchy is the lowest on the, or certified, like the lowest on the totem pole. That's not a ding to them. Don't, don't get it wrong. But like, you know, all these card manufacturers have low end product, mid end product and high end product. When the lowest end product is selling for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 dollars a pack, like that's a problem. And you know, a the, pack. A pack. Wow. A pack, not a box, a pack. And you know, that's a problem and you know, the folks that made the space, the hardcore collectors are sitting here just scratching their head like what's going on? and that whole market's got to revert back to the mean at some point. Now, is it going to go back to $6 a pack? I don't know. But, you know, it'll probably go a little more than that. Uh, but, right. you know, it can't continue at, you know, buying a pack of cards for $60, $40, $50, getting 8 or 12 cards and
0: what happens if you don't I get mean, a big card there? I guess my question though is what would make it? And obviously like if you had this answer, right, you'd be rich. But what would make it so the musical chair game stopped and someone's left, right, without a chair? Like, so I just don't know. I, I, I have an answer, which I don't yeah. know if it's the right answer.
1: Um, but I think, and again, unpopular. I'm like the most unpopular people with these opinions because I'm
0: – Hot takes.
1: I, I have to say, though, I'm – and, and I've, as I alluded earlier in here, I'm a longtime bull on the sports card space. I'm a fan of the sports card. Don't at
0: Darren on Twitter.
1: I, I, I continue to buy cards and everything. You know, it is what it is. But I think, though, that the last 12, 13 months have been an unwavering thirst for sports cards at any price. That's when we've really seen box prices gone up. And the reason for that is COVID has lessened the pull or the opportunities to spend money in other places. Meaning, if you open your wallet, $1 over the last 12 months really had finite areas that you could spend the dollar on. Why? Because you probably weren't going out for dinner. You weren't going to the movies. You weren't going to a baseball game. You weren't going to choose to bring your kids to a vacation. You weren't going to go do all of these things that we normally do in a normal course of living, we had to make no trade-offs. And so put, put a wallet where you had a dollar, which went to pay your bills, right? You know, went to pay your mortgage, went to pay your rent, went to pay for food on the table. But, you know, you're, you're mostly getting your food from a grocery store, <laughs> you know, at this during COVID, um, maybe ordering in a little bit. You probably ordered in less than what you did before. So your dollar went further. There are less demands on the dollar. Plus, some percentage of America got stimulus checks on top of that, uh, which has added more dollars available. Now, I think stimulus checks are a big part of this, but I, I think the the bigger story is during COVID there were less demands on the dollar, which meant you know hey I'm going to go buy this rookie card or this you know tops transcendent auto for two hundred dollars. Because to be honest, I'm not spending the $200 to take my kids and wife to the movies and dinner this weekend because I can't do it because of COVID. So what I think is going to end up happening is six. This is why I said a hangover. Six to 12 months post herd immunity in America,
0: mm.
1: we're going to realize that there are a lot of more demands for that dollar than what we had during COVID. So that same person who was, you know, spending $80 a pack to buy certified um, or $500, you know, a box to buy hoops, that person now is also, you know, their girlfriend or boyfriend saying, hey, let's go to the movies tonight and go to dinner. You know, even a movies plus TGI Fridays is $100. Well, that $100 is not going back into the sports card space. Um, It's going to entertainment. Um, Or think about how many people who haven't taken vacations in the last year, myself included. That's now going, you know, there's, there's a vacation budget. You know, if you go to Disney as a family, that's not cheap and, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I believe that what will drive the, the hangover into the space that will drive prices down for cards and the secondary market is going to be herd immunity. But once that happens and we stabilize, we then grow again, but we're not going to grow at 40, 50, 80, 100% year on year returns, like we saw over the last 12 months, you know, we will grow healthy. But you know, I totally see that, that that's my thought.
0: It's unpopular. I get it. But that's how I see the space. Well, and that makes sense. Almost like a light bulb went off for me when you were talking to like behind me. I don't think you can see it is I've got a whole bunch of stacks of rated rookie from 2020 optic, right? Like all these rated rookies. And I will going to look and sell these i'm like like you said earlier i'm going to make 25 50 cents on the dollar on some of these and so this is just more it's not like a steep decline that would happen but it could just be that slow decline that slow hangover like you said as more people like me go to sell in the secondary market and we're like man well i'm not gonna go spend so much on boxes again i'm just gonna yeah. buy the card or or something like that and so that's what can make that slow rollout trend down
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it becomes, you know, if it was, you know, Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger or any of the other investor greats, then would be the time to buy. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, when supply outstrips demand, then prices decline and there's going to be a lot of supply on the market. You know, that means prices will continue to to
0: decline. And that's a buying opportunity. It's a scary time, but that's a buying opportunity. And we're starting to see this with that high-end market, right? And there could be other things, but the Michael Jordan card is now 400K, not yeah. what, 600, what it was. I uh, I wonder, and I don't know if that exact thesis plays into why that card's down, but that's where I wonder even how it affects high-end versus low-end. Like, there's just so many layers to this. Absolutely. There's also market manipulation and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, if you, if you
1: own, uh, you know, 10 Jordans, uh, or 10 cards, you know, it may be in your best interest to bid up, you know, a card, one, mm-hmm. spend quite a bit on it so that the price of your other nine go up. Um and and so, you know, there's where there's real money which now the sports card space has. You know, there's a lot of learnings from the art market, the fine automobile market, the fine wine market that you can study. And and there's some amazing uh, documentaries, books, etc., to understand market mentality when there's a lot of dollars at stake. And the one thing that's consistent across all of those categories is there are bad actors. And the markets, you know, the idea, you know, markets define that, you know, it weeds out the bad actors, and that's why it's a market. You know, there's so much supply, so much demand, that bad actors sort of get weeded out. But it happens and so you have to have two eyes wide open and understand where there's opportunity for bad actors and you know be super careful because it's a high stake game you know an example of that i'll give two two examples one is the fake slabs you know slab cards graded cards you know are worth more than raw for the most part and so you know if you can fake your slabs then you can you can sell you know. Real cards, but they're fake slabbed and sell them for more. And, you know, BGS has had that issue over the last, you know, couple of months. And the other one is, which still is, is amazing that this still exists, is how many air quote reprint fake cards are there on eBay that you think you're buying an auto of, you know, an exquisite or something along those lines. And, you know, you're buying, you know, something that's completely mislabeled uh, and fake. And, you know, I have a friend who showed me two real cards and one fake and had me try to pick it in in person. Two real cards, one fake, pick out the fake card. I couldn't. I got it wrong. Um, The fake card was so real. Uh, And the reason the reason why it's real is because it's printed on the exact same printing presses as all the other cards. Um, and the reason wow. for that is the card manufacturers don't have their own printing presses. They print in third parties in Galveston, Texas. Most, most, not all. A lot of manufacturing in Galveston, Texas. And the papers, the foils, and everything they use, you could go buy. And so all that you need right now is a legitimate printing press. You can go buy the same papers and foils. You have to know how to you know, you have to know how to put them together. And there's IP in that. I'm not devaluing what the manufacturers do. And I'm not saying it's easy to counterfeit. It's hard to counterfeit. And I'm not saying go counterfeit. Do not go counterfeit. But
0: it's, <laughs> lots of money, opportunity. <laughs> it's,
1: it's legitimately easy in the grand scheme of things. And that's what scares me about the sports card space. Is we need better ways to detect against counterfeit. If you look at the wine industry, look at the art market, you know, those counterfeiting wine, there's a whole documentary on, on, on that there's in the art market, it happens all the time. Uh, And, you know, you gotta be careful and all that stuff, all of the bad actors coming from those markets into the sports card space, because there's real dollars. And so now we just have to be careful and I'm not perfect at figuring out what's right, what's wrong in terms of, you know, is this real, is it fake, but we're all going to have to get a lot more educated if we're going to start buying some of the real high value cards.
0: Wow. Leave us with what are you collecting right now? What if you, if you're, if someone's coming into the space and they're listening to this, yeah, what are you enjoying? I'm a, I'm a fan these days of the tops
1: transcendent series. I think they're super cool cards. I, I love how heavy they are. The gold edges, the sort of classic Sort of very, um, uh, sort of proper. I'd say um, they're kind of art to me in this, in some sense. They're sort of like a round photo. With I buy all the autos, so I've been collecting a lot of the top's Transcendent autos. My I wish I had done. So if I look back and say, what did I wish I do? I'm a huge tennis fan. Um, uh, I had many chances to buy a bunch of Naomi Osaka um, tops Transcendent cards when they were like $500. And now they're tens of thousands of dollars autos. And I, I, I'm all eyes open and looking, but I'm not spending that. (laughs) Um, And so I wish I had done it when I, you know, they were in the hundreds, not the thousands or tens of thousands. Um, But, uh, you know, I I collect the transcendent for tennis. I collect it for, uh, for baseball. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I just think they're, they're, they're awesome cards.
0: For the lawyers in the back, a quick disclaimer. You understand that by listening to this podcast, you are not receiving financial advice. No content published here constitutes a recommendation that any particular security, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. You alone are solely responsible for determining whether an investment security or strategy or any other product or service is appropriate or suitable for you based on your investment, objectives, and personal financial situation. Please speak with a financial advisor to understand if the risks inherent in trading are are appropriate for you. Trade at your own risk. Bum, bum, bum.